You've heard of multi or quadruple threats. Well, my next guest is a person of many talents and one who has overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. She'll join me in a moment to discuss her career as a multi-award-winning screenwriter, director, producer, author, actor, Jake, God. and martial artist. On this special edition of RxG Exclusives, we welcome next, Jillian Bullock. We must open up our You're watching RXG Exclusives. Oh, they tried to keep us away, yeah. Hello, Jillian. So nice to have you here. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on your show. Been looking forward to this for a long time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, we've been aware of each other's work for many years now. You're a vet in the industry and a mentor to fellow artists. But before we discuss your filmmaking background, you not long ago premiered your own series, which encourages people to eat and live healthy. And often your advice is aimed at creatives like ourselves. It's so easy to forget to take care of yourself, and I can attest to this, being so invested in creating a project, making sure that everything goes well, burning the midnight oil, having that mad scientist energy, not sleeping enough, forgetting the eat, or... <laughs> Rating the craft service table on set, which we know is typically full of things that taste good, right? <laughs> but in reality are bad. So tell me about your series and what made you want to give people a piece of your mind and maybe even your heart. Well, uh, my YouTube uh, series is called Mind, Body, Spirit Connection. And it um, deals with fitness and mental health and also uh, plant-based and vegan nutrition because I'm a vegan. Society makes it seem that once you hit a certain age, it's all downhill from there. Um, and I found that, again, like you said, being a creative and, you know, we're on set long, long days. And even me being a writer director, my, my days start earlier than most. <laughs> um, and just people in general, you know, we're not taking care of ourselves, you know, with COVID happened and everybody just sat home and eat and drink and, you know, they just wasn't exercising. And, um, you know, once we started coming out of this, I said, you know, I have the background as a, you know, certified in um, plant-based and vegan nutritionist, holistic health, um, a life coach and everything. And I have all these certifications. I said, let me put it to use by helping people maybe get back on the right track to health and wellness. And that's what I do on the channel. How your doctor may be killing you. And it's a new channel and he's been out for a couple of months and steady growing it. And, you know, I think it's been helping people. People email me, they, you know, text me, they ask me different questions. And I'm just trying to help to give back because I know your health is mental and physical health is most important. Um, thing you need in order to do whatever venture you want to do in life, uh, whether it's making films or doing anything else. So that's my, my reasoning for behind it. Yeah, you know, I'm a sugar addict myself. And yeah. when I go into a store, I have to look at all the sweets, even if I don't get them. Um, mm -hmm. But I know that even us slim folks need to be cautious. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, only because people are slim, I always say, don't mean you're healthy. If you consume too much sugary foods and drinks, the body will continue to crave more, which means you'll become like a drug addict. Yeah, and I know people, plenty of people who, um, to the to the average person, they may look healthy because they're thin, and they're actually not because they, you know, they might be smoking or drinking too much or eating a lot of different foods that are bad for them. Um, so they're still unhealthy and may have uh, chronic diseases that can shorten their lifespan. And that, even if not shorten their lifespan, but just make their day-to-day activity more difficult to do. You know, they can't do everything they want to do um, because they're not healthy. Well, in addition to your communications BA degree in training in screenwriting and film production, you hold certifications in psychology, criminology, and forensic science. As a young girl and a woman, you experienced and or witnessed the unthinkable. How did and how does your background uh, inform the stories you tell, which are unapologetically socially conscious? I, I do tackle uh, tough subject matters uh, because my life was so tough. You know, I grew up with my um, my mom and my white stepfather. He was actually an Italian mafia in the Philadelphia. Um, and I saw, saw my first mob hit. I was like nine years old. Um, and, you know, this is, was my world, which is quite different than most kids, especially African-American children. Um, and then other things happened. I was raped when I was 10, and then I was homeless at 15. Um, a lot of things happened I had to resort to while I was on the streets to survive, you know, drugs and prostitution. Uh, so these things, and then I, it led to um, even the prostitution I was young. So it, you know, it led a lot of other girls to, like, you know, sex trafficking. You know, they were just taken. Um, we see them on the corner one day, and then we, next day we don't see them. And we know what happened to them because it's just your easy prey when you're out in the streets like that. Um, so a lot of my my stories that I do tell are hard-hitting. They are tough subject matters. They deal with mental health or sexual assault or homelessness or drug addiction um, because it's stuff that I've dealt with, and plus a lot of other people, millions of people have dealt with. Um, but I do it, you know, I don't do documentaries, so I still have to make it, if, you know, it might be educational, but it still has to be entertaining. And people might be like, how can you make those subjects entertaining, you know, but you, you can, you're a writer, so you know you're, how to be creative in order to, I'm not preaching to people, I'm just trying to teach a lesson, and hopefully people will come away from it with, you know, dialogue to have a conversation after the movie. Right. And as an artist who regularly probes the human condition, how do you approach your works that are based in truth without crossing the line into exploitation? Is there a fine line? Oh, there is a fine line. You know, you don't want to do things just to have a shock value, but some things are, are, are needed to truly tell the story. Um, like my last movie that's out now, um, a sense of purpose fighting for our lives dealt with military sexual assault. I was raped by my commanding officer. Um, and, you know, there's a rape scene in it, and I do show the rape. I mean, I do it tastefully, of course, but um, I do show the rape because people don't realize how prevalent uh, sexual assault and rape is in the military. I was in the military, and I know for a fact that it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's an epidemic in the military and people don't know. They don't never heard about it so they or they rarely hear about it. So they think it doesn't happen. It happens. It happens a lot. So I wanted to showcase that um, and let people know more about that so they can be more aware, especially young people who are going into the military. Um, so, so they so they can figure this out if this is something they really want to do, because um, actually males 
are sexually assaulted more than females in the military because it's, it's more men in the military. And people say they're shocked when they hear something like that. Um, but, but it's a true fact, unfortunately. That is very interesting, for sure. Yeah. Well, the recent years have seen work by people of color and women take more of a front seat. In your opinion, how have things improved and how far does the industry and society still have to go? I mean, it is, it's getting better. We know that. Um, you see at the award shows, more people of color, more women getting um, accolades and awards and everything. But, you know, it's just not where it should be, not in 2022, you know, where it should be, um, considering, um, you know, how many people of color are in the world and it should be showcased more um, diversity. And, you know, they have the inclusion rule now and a lot of filmmakers have adopted the inclusion rule, which means, you know, at least 50% of the crew um, must be, crew in the cast must be of color uh, or female or, you know, from the, you know, the, the gay and lesbian community um, and even people who are physically challenged. Um, so that's a good thing. Uh, the more filmmakers that put that in place in their companies, the better it's going to be. It's going to be, uh, get better for all of us. You've penned several female characters, some of whom you've portrayed, and there have also been noteworthy female characters written by male screenwriters. Clearly, more women voices are necessary, but for men who decide to tackle female characters, what's your advice on how they can make them more dynamic, complex, and multidimensional instead of a caricature or stereotype? You know, obviously they have to spend time around women, you know, they have to spend the time around probably their mothers, their grandmothers, their sisters, their aunts, and all that to to understand what women are going through, hear their conversations, so they can, like you said, um, have a real pulse on what's going on with the female community and how to write it accurately and not just stereotypes. Uh, no matter what color, you know, race that you're doing, if you're dealing with Asians, you got to, women, you got to be around them if you're dealing with african-american if you're dealing with hispanic every all those cultures have totally different ways of how the women relate to each other and how they respond to things in life uh, they're women but they have their own culture so if you're going to do that then you need to emerge yourself in their culture now you aren't one to bite your tongue particularly in an industry where people aren't always what they seem how has your straight no chaser mentality served you and has it ever been a hindrance uh, you know, like I said, you know, I've, I've lived a rough life. So, you know, I think people know from from reading my story and everything and how I carried myself, you know, not just the fact that I was in the military, you know, the fact that I have two black belts and, and all this. Um, it's just my confidence and I have a high self-esteem. I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I know what I will tolerate and what I won't tolerate in business or my film sets and everything. And, you know, they know that right off coming in. They can, they just know um, from my demeanor, um, this is a business and I'm just trying to produce the best product that I can. And I need people to understand that it's a business. And if they don't understand that and we have issues, then, you know, I, I put myself in a position where I am the boss so I can, you know, fire people. Um, and that's the way I want to be in the business because I want to have control over my projects. And I don't want um, to be in a position where I have to uh, do projects that I don't like really, or take projects on that I don't like. That's why I write all my own projects um, because I want to be in control 
of, of what I do and the end product. Ownership is key. It is. The COVID-19 pandemic has either caused or provoked mental health challenges for many, and particularly with artists for whom there have been a lack of potential opportunities. It's been a trying time. How have you navigated such challenges and what's your advice to people who are still in a dark place? You know, um, for me, I, I tell people to get their, to help get their mental health together. It's, uh, I, I do yoga and meditation and something called breath work. Um, and um, it's, it's in a sense, it helped me get through, definitely get through COVID. It was a dark time for me at that point because, you know, I was unemployed um, at a, my regular job and then I couldn't do anything with the movie stuff. So, uh, but that really helped me. And I, I do, I'm an advocate for, for yoga and meditation. Even mental health professionals say that is a good way of, coming out of anxiety, depression, um, and a lot of holistic therapists are, are asked, telling their clients to engage in this instead of giving them medication, which really doesn't help the situation. Um, so th that's what I, I tell people to do. Of course, if they have a faith based, then they have to rely on that as well. Um, but if you're, you know, in the creative arts, you know, just keep working at your craft, like, like during the COVID, uh, situation when it first started and all, I wrote like five scripts. So I was being very productive. Um, wow. I was being very productive. Um, you know, I started working on a book uh, and I did five scripts. And I said, because when we come out of this, I want to be ready to go into production at least with one of those scripts, which I actually did. So, you know, people have to, you know, I read more books during that time um, books on film, books on business, um, books on self-improvement. So this is a time to not look at it as a negative at during COVID to look at it as something that you could slow down and stop for a moment and do things that's going to help improve you. By the time we came back into the world, like we are now, um, you have something to show for it. You, you know what I'm saying? That makes sense. Um, so that's what I advise people to do. Uh, and of course, you know, try to get into your, in your fitness as well. So you don't gain a lot of weight and uh, be unhealthy in that, that way. It's very important to, you could do home exercises. They have stuff on YouTube. So you could just put something on for fitness and health and just go along with that video and um, stay healthy, stay fit. I, I'm still stuck on your having written five screenplays. That's impressive. <laughs> I'm a writer, so yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, finding the time to practice one's craft, be it dance, writing, acting, it can be a task, especially when people are caretaking for others, raising children, involved in toxic relationships, or at odds with loved ones. For a talented somebody having a difficult time putting their art into practice, I, I know you've drop some nuggets already, but what encouragement can you offer when they have so much going on? You know, yeah, a lot of people have a lot of things, like you said, going on in their lives and all. But again, I, I say it's important to carve out time for yourself. I don't, you know, you might have to get up, you know, earlier than you usually do to carve out like an hour for yourself. And that, in that time, you can write, do your writing or whatever, reading, your yoga, meditation, your prayer, uh, writing your journal, um, to set yourself up for a positive day. Um, or you might have to do, um, you know, at night when everybody's in bed, you do a, an extra hour or two at night um, uh, because you can't always get it done during the day. You, you are, Like you said, you have so much to do, and um, but you have to carve out that time for yourself. If not, 
you won't be productive, you burn out, um, especially if you're caring for someone else, that's very strenuous emotionally. And you have to find ways to help you relax and deal with anxiety or, or, or your own issues of, of mental health. Um, so you have to carve out that time, even though you think getting up an extra hour is like, oh my God, you know, but it, it's necessary to do what you need to do. Like, you know, I get up at four o'clock every morning and that's my time to get up, do my yoga, um, my journaling, I work out, um, a regular workout <laughs> and then, then get showered and then go about my day because um, I have to get it in for me so I can deal with other people in a very effective way, in a very positive way. This helps me be okay for the rest of the day and deal with everybody from all race, color, creeds. So that's what you know. I feel that people need to do uh, to definitely have to have your mental health in place first. That's most important. So having a consistent schedule and strategy, some sort of a routine might prove beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, even on weekends, I'm up at four. So it doesn't like, oh, from Monday to Friday, I'm up at four, then I sleep later on the weekends. No. <laughs> um, I, I'm up at four because the regular schedule, it makes you um, be consistent. You're consistent. As soon as you get up, you know what you're doing, exactly what you're doing. I get up. I fix my bed, you know, I did certain, that's from the military, fix that bed up. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you do what you're going to do. You have it already mapped out. So you already know you're not guessing is what am I going to do tomorrow? You already have it mapped out. You wrote it out. You know what you're going to do. And the, the first nuggets are the same every day. So that doesn't change. You get up, you might fix your bed, you do your prayer, whatever you do. You have at least say four or five things that you do in the morning and then you can go do the rest of your day. But you know what they are, you'll be consistent to do them every day because you don't have to guess. Well, film commissions throughout the United States are always aiming to negotiate for better tax incentives for film production. However, independent filmmakers often feel slighted because their low budgets don't meet the threshold. So how can the indie artist gain access to the capital and resources they need? Well, you should, you know, try to get um, work with the your one well, here, the Philadelphia Film Office, or any city that you're in, or state that you're in, go to the Philadelphia, go to your film office. If you get, if you become known at that film office, like you attend their workshops they may have, or their different events that they have, and they always see you, um, that's how you get known, and that's how you connect with um, the people at your film office, and that's how you get help, even if you're independent. Um, a filmmaker and don't have a really big budget. They they don't look at it. Usually film offices don't look at it as you don't have a big budget. They look at it that they don't know you. And they're like, why should I help you? I don't really know you. And they want you to be more part of the film, um, the committee and everything and what they're doing. So if they have events that you see on the website, try to go to those events. Then you meet the directors of the film office, like here is she, Sharon Pinkerson. And I'm, I'm very proud of Robert, who came to me quite some time ago with his first project. And I want you to know that every young person who comes into our office gets treated just like he was an Academy Award winning director with a huge budget from Disney. Um, you know, you, you go and you meet and introduce yourself and say what you're doing and everything like that. And every time she'll see you, she'll say, oh, okay, I remember that. I remember Jillian, she was at the last event. She was at this event. Oh yeah, okay. Um, Cause that's how I did it. I started just getting known with the film, the film office. And then a couple of years in, they knew my background because I was always going to different events. 
And they asked me to be on a couple of film panels. Um, and then from there, they asked me to be a, a screenwriting judge. They have a, a, film, a screenwriting competition every year. Just taking on the subject that it attempts was an act of great courage. The epidemic of murder in Philadelphia, which I understand has become quite a problem. Everybody at Greater Philadelphia Filmmakers and the film office. I just have to jump in for a second and say that we met Robert when he was still in high school. He was a film office intern. And I'm one of the five judges on that uh, panel. Um, so that came because I started making contacts and networking. So that's what people need to do, even if you are an independent filmmaker. Great advice. Well, you have a new book on the horizon. It's called From Victim to Victor. I think the release date has changed, but can you tell me the inspiration behind it and when people can get a look at it? Yeah, it changed because I'm working on this movie. You're busy. Um, so, <laughs> so I have to get this out. And, and then, my, like I said, my YouTube channel, I have to focus on that. But the book will come out next year. Um, it's From Victim to Victor is just basically what this, the name says. It's, uh, I, I teach people those tools and steps and, you know, give them advice and educate them on how they can stop having the, the victim mentality. And that's basically what that is, the woe me mentality, the everything happens bad to me, why can't everything go right in my life? And, um, you know, that doesn't get people anywhere. It, it really doesn't. And it basically comes down to having excuses because, like, again, my life, <laughs> if people look at my life, they don't understand how I could be where I am today considering my past. It's because I, I refuse to have the victim mentality. If I, I could have, you know, I could have everything that happened to me. I could have just said, you know, everything, my life was hell. I, I just can't do it. And I'm just going to, you know, stay on welfare for the rest of my life and do nothing, you know. Um, but you can't have that victim mentality and expect to succeed in life or even expect to be happy in life uh, if you're going to always blame others for where you are in your life. You know, you can blame your parents, your kids, your, your you know, society, you um, you know, brothers and sisters, you can blame anybody. You can blame God if you want to. People have, and they do. Um, but I teach them not to have that. So you transition from a victim mentality to a victor mentality. And then I show them steps how to overcome obstacle challenges and hardships in order so they can, you know, achieve greatness in their life. Wonderful. Well, you're in post-production on the feature film, A Cup Full of Crazy, featuring our friend and my two-time co-star, Brian Anthony Wilson. Angela, are you listening? Can you give me the premise of the film and the inspiration behind it? Uh, yeah, that, that came about during the COVID. I wrote one, that was one of the scripts, I, of those five scripts I wrote during COVID. And um, it basically is, it's a psychological thriller. It centers on a female uh, screenwriter who uh, is overcoming a nervous breakdown from a bad divorce that she had. And um, it's a year later and she's trying to get her life back together. She's you know, going to a therapist, which Brian plays, a therapist. Um, and she's writing a new script and the script is a thriller. And things that are starting to happen in the script are happening to her in real life. So throughout the movie, she has to try to figure out, are these things happening for real or is she having another nervous breakdown? And people won't know that until the end of the script, which ha what exactly is going on with her. Um, so I did write it because during COVID, a lot of people were dealing with mental health issues and mental health challenges, especially in the Black community. Um, and I said, well, this would be a good story to tell. And that's why I wrote it. Now, you've assembled quite the cast, very talented. What was the casting and training process like? I, I imagine it must have been a very grueling but rewarding 
time. Yeah, the sink plays the uh, lead female in the movie. She plays Angela, and she had to train for five months in mixed martial arts in order to get ready. There is mixed martial arts in the in the movie. Now, let me tell you this about me: I am a black belt, and I'm a you know I'm a mixed martial artist and a boxer. So every movie has some element of that in it, either boxing <laughs> or martial arts. Right. So in this movie, the sink who is not a martial artist had to actually be in um, scenes with real professional martial artists who are MMA. Uh, people, mixed martial arts people. So to make her look, you know, convincing, um, she had to train for five months to get in shape, to whip her in shape to look like a real martial artist. And she did a fantastic job at it. Um, so yeah, so she, that's in the movie as well, because um, her character again, being a um, former fighter, she handles uh, issues and problems in her life physically. You know, if someone pisses her off, she'll 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 smack them around or beat them up, and she has to learn through the ther- therapist that that's not really productive, <laughs> you know, and um, you know, could get her in some serious trouble with the law. So, you know, again, these are problems. I I always make characters who are flawed because we are we're very flawed and we have issues and problems and um, nobody's perfect. But that character arc. You're supposed to see a change. You know, you want to see a change by the end of the movie because it gives people hope. If they're dealing with something in their life and they're like, oh, man, if she can get through that, I can get through that, too. So these are the type of stories I like to tell. It might seem dark and um, hopeless some parts of the movie, but I definitely always try to have a positive ending and, and by the end of the movie. I mean, that's the kind of material that I'm drawn to anyway. It, it's kind of my, my alter ego. Um, you know, I like to explore uh, the darker parts of humanity um, yeah. and how long was principal photography oh it was quick because um you know we had to didn't have as much money as i had hoped for so we got that done in like two weeks we were done wow might have been even less than that i think it might have been less than that but we we kicked out a lot of a lot of pages each day and uh the, the crew and the stat that my my actors they did a phenomenal job came in knew their lines um uh, again, especially just saying because she had to cry on cue and she had to do it, you know, more more than one take, you know, might be seven or eight takes sometimes depending on the scene. And she delivered each and every time. So it's, it's it was difficult to shoot the emotional parts and then she had to film the physical parts. So it was hard for her, but she did a great job. And I know you're a director who knows exactly what they want, but do you also consider yourself to be a collaborative director? Oh, yeah, you have to be. I mean, well, you should be. I know some people aren't, but you should be because you don't know everything, you know? Um, like, I'm not, a, I'm not a DP. I'm not a director of photography. So I don't, um, I can't claim to know which angles are always the best. I might see it this way, but if my DP says, you know, that's not going to really look good um, when we get to editing or, you know, it's not going to feel right or play right. Yeah, I have to take that into consideration because I don't know that job. So the same with lighting. If I want lighting a certain way, and the lighting people will come to me and say, ah, that's not, that's not going to hit their reflection right, or that's not going to, it's going to give them shadows in the back or this and that. I have to listen to that because I'm, I, don't, I don't know how to do lighting like that. So um, it has to be collaborative, even in editing, when you get to the editing part. Um, an angle might not look right or something I have, might have a boom in, in your shot or something. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to cut around it. So that means this might have to be cut out and, you know, the the bottom line is you just want to have a great film by the end. So you have to not be stubborn and think your way is the best way because then you might it might not look the best and that's not what you that's not what you're after. 
You know what I'm saying? You want a good, good product in the end. Absolutely. What are your next steps with the film now that it's in post-production? When can we expect to see it in festivals or theaters? What's your plan? Well, the plan right now is to have a Philadelphia um, screening, probably going to be in September, either the end of September or the first week in October. That's where we're looking. And, you know, we'll invite, of course, the cast and crew to come out. And, of course, the public can come out, you know, buy their tickets and hang out with us. And um, we'll have a Q&A afterwards with me and some of the lead actors. Um, and, you know, we, we invite, like I said, the film, Philadelphia Film Office and media to come out and check it out. And then from there, uh, I have already have, like, eight or nine different distributors who are interested in the project. They're just waiting for it to get done. So I, I think I'll have to skip the, the film festival on this one because I already have distributors who are interested from seeing the, the footage on my website. So um, that'll be the thing just to go get a distribution deal right, right, right off the bat. Well, with distribution offers in the wings, there's a little less stress on you not having to pursue the festival route. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like going to film festivals. I do. I like that. I mean, my last movie, we did film festivals and won a lot of awards, but when you have eight or nine different distributors already clamoring to see your film, and I'm sure I'll do a deal with one of them, this, this time out, I just have to skip the, the festivals. That's all. It's always the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jillian Bullock, you are prolific, and there's not enough time in the day, or at least in this program, to accurately reflect all that you are and all that you've done. Perhaps another RHG exclusives is in our future, but thank you so much for spending a little time with us to let us know who you are and what you do. Please let viewers know how they can connect and support social media, websites, any upcoming projects you have. You know, they can just, you know, Google my name. You put in Jillian Bullock, you know, it'll, everything will pop up on my social media. Or they can go to my website, jbullockenterprises.com, and they can find me there, connect with me there. Um, either either way, it's uh, they can find me, definitely. <laughs> All right, well, that does it. I'm Robert X. Galton. Thank you for watching. Until next time, take care. Make sure to like, comment, and hit subscribe on our YouTube channel so you never miss out. RxG Exclusives, hosted by Robert X. Galton, now playing.